Hey friends, and welcome to Mosaic. If you're joining us, you know, uh, uh, live right now and you're in the chat or you're listening later on, I'm just glad you're doing this. And friends, I just want to say I am so grateful and thankful for all of you who uh, support us, financially support us, relationally support us, spiritually support us, because, you know, right now we're meeting online and it's hard for us to really connect one-on-one, but I'm so grateful that we are a church that's really focused on mobilizing uh, as a community. And so thank you so much for doing that. And man, what a weekend. I'm just proud of our church this weekend. I mean, we are called Mosaic. And man, I just love the fact that we are a diverse community that lives by faith, that's known by love, and that's a voice of hope. And uh, weekends like this remind me uh, about who we are and how special we are and how special you are. So I'm glad you're here. Let's jump in right now. now. So we're in a series right now, and we haven't even named it. We haven't even named it. And so I will not even talk, I won't tell you the possible name for it. I mean, we've got these images of fruits and things like that but we just don't have a name for it. It's about spiritual gifts, and we'll be talking about that. Last week, we started our first week. We talked about this idea of divine love. And this morning, I want to talk about joy, this joy that overflows. Now, really quick, though, I recently watched uh, um, a Wonder Woman, the second one, Wonder Woman 1984. And I got to tell you, I was looking forward to it. There was a lot of anticipation, and anticipation, you know, it c- c- creates joy, right? And so I was anticipating this amazing movie, and and then I'm watching this thing, and at the end of it, I'm like, what happened? What happened? There was so much potential. And if you watched it, I think you had the same feeling. There was so much potential. I'm like, what happened? I mean, you had a great cast. You, you, I think you had a good story. I don't know what happened. What happened? And then now, now, and so it was a little disappointing. But then I was looking forward to another movie, and I actually got our family together. Remember last week we talked about family movie night? Yeah, we did it. We did it. We watched Tenant. And after watching that, or while I was watching that, I was thinking, what is happening? Like, I don't even know what's happening. Like, am I in the tenant? Like, are we right now? Like, what? I still don't know. Now, now, uh, contrast that to me watching The Mandalorian. Have you watched that? I mean, come on, we have, right? And so I waited, and then I went back and just watched all of it, you know, because I wanted to just have all the seasons available for me and all the episodes available for me. And I got to tell you, I had moments of extreme joy as I thought about during the day. I'm like, oh, tonight I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch The Mandalorian. I wonder what's going to happen. Oh, will I see Baby Yoda again? Of course I will. Yes, Groku. I mean, honestly, I mean, I think we all need just a Groku in our life. Just maybe hanging out with us, on our shoulder, I don't know. Brings so much joy, doesn't he? I think we all need one. All need one. Now, this is all superficial joy. I get it. I get it. But sometimes you and I are tempted to just be okay with uh, superficial joy. But the conversation today is about uh, this joy that overflows. It's, that's deeper than that. So when you think of joy, what do you think of? We all have a definition and we all have a relationship with joy. So what's your definition? I think for some of us, if you grew up in the church, you know, hey, the joy is different from happiness because happiness is connected to what happens to you. And joy is a different, different thing. It's an attitude. Con- it's, it's connected to what God has done. And, and you know, I, I've heard all the ideas and all the phrases, but you have your own relationship with joy. In light of your season right now, uh, y- your definition might have changed and your relationship to joy might have changed as well. But the truth is that we all need joy in our lives. And joy is the one thing that is connected to our spiritual growth. It's not like, oh, yeah, that's great. I'll have it. I won't have it. No, it's actually a fruit 
of the Spirit. Now, do you remember last week we talked about how God is, uh, is growing us up, that this series, this conversation is based on Galatians 5, in which we realize that spiritual growth is allowing God's Spirit to grow spiritual growth, uh, spiritual fruit in us. And so last week, like I said, it was love, right? But the scripture, it says here, let me just read this to you, just a recap here. Uh, Galatians 5, 13, it says here, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then he goes on, he says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Which he means, he says, it's not about judging all the fruit. He says, but, but let me just tell you, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such these are, there, are, there is no law. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step by, I mean, with the Spirit. So all that to say, joy, when it comes for us to define it, it is something that God wants to grow in us. It's not an attitude that we should get to. And I think in Christian circles, sometimes joy is simply an attitude. It's one of those, hey, 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 let's just, let's just, let's just, uh, let's just focus on, you know, on, 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 the, uh, on positivity in a sense. There is actually a phrase that I honestly, I really like it. I, I really genuinely like it because I'm a positive guy. I mean, ask my wife. She's like, man, you can, you, you are super positive. I, I can't even believe it. I'm obviously the guy that's, you know, the glass half full kind of guy. And the phrase is this. You might have heard this before. Um, the best is yet to come. Have you heard that? Have you heard it? The best is yet to come. You're like, oh, I got a bumper sticker on it. Or I have a, I have a T-shirt or I've got a poster. You've heard a leader say it. You've heard, uh, um, you know, maybe a positivity coach uh, quote it. You've heard a politician say it. The best is yet to come. It sounds amazing. It sounds hopeful. It sounds great. But I got to tell you, I find it a little lacking, a little incomplete because it's been used maybe so many times. And again, I really like the phrase. I really do. But I'm like, there's something wrong with it because it seems like it, it says, hey, it, it's going to change. It's, it, the, it's, it's gonna tur- things are going to turn around right now. They're going to turn around right now. And you know and I know that things don't turn around right now. Ask Mr. COVID. Uh, it's not turning around. Things aren't turning around. And uh, it's taking time. And I feel like sometimes when we are facing unique, painful seasons of our life, where honestly joy is nowhere to be found. In fact, our rel- we have ghosted um, this, uh, our relationship with joy. We have, uh, we have ignored it. Or maybe we've... we've uh, there's so much pain, there's so much loss, there's so much confusion that you go, I'm not even quite sure how to get there. And when you hear someone just say, hey, the best is yet to come, you're like, just stop it. Because I'll tell you what, it does not work. It's not turning around right now for me. And I got to tell you, it is incomplete. I feel it is. And it feels a little superficial. Well, the good news is that I want to move us from that, I believe that the phrase, the best is yet to come, is a little lacking because I want to propose to you that it's, it needs to change it just a little bit. And some of you might say it's the same thing, but it's not. It's not the best is yet to come. It's the best has not yet come. The best has not yet come. Let me give you a, a, bit, a better idea of this. In the Old Testament, uh, the Old Testament followers of, uh, of Yahweh, right, before Jesus was, was introduced, they had a definition and a relationship with joy. 
The definition and the relationship with joy, if you look at the Old Testament, it's, is, is connected to an idea that they would always have joy or they would rejoice after they saw God do something. It was like, we rejoice when God did this. We rejoice when that happened. It was always connected to either a past or a present. God just did this. God has done this. It was always connected to that. And so the connection to the Old Testament joy in the followers of Yahweh was, was connected to God has done this in our past, and God, I think, just did this right now, and we're rejoicing. And when you look at the definition and the relationship to joy with the people of God, you realize that it has grown. And from the Old Testament, it moves to the New Testament, and the New Testament, it changes. In fact, it changes right from the beginning because the angels come in at the beginning of the Old New Testament and they declare something. You remember that? They, they, it's, it's, it's like the Christmas story, right? What do they say? They say, hey, we bring great news of great joy, great joy. And then they say something, right? For you, for today, for in this town, a Savior has been born. His name is Jesus. See, right there, joy, the definition of it, was changed. It is no longer what God did in the past or what God is about to do. And just wait for it. Just wait for it. The best is yet to come. No, no, no. It changed. That God did something that does not just connect us to the, our past. No, God has done something for our future, for our future, not a joy that's connected to our past, but the, the fact there's a joy because God has done something for our future, that God stepped into human history and forever changed the definition and the relationship that we're supposed to have with joy. So joy is no, no, no longer just an attitude because again, friends, that's superficial. I mean, you, seriously, I mean, I've been to several funerals during this time of this pandemic. And the, I can, I, 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 it's, so, it's so terrible to just turn to people and say, you know what, just count it joy or just turn it around or, you know, the best is yet to come or, hey, it's, it's all good. It's, God's going to, uh, you know, j just saying things that don't really make any sense. And you know this. And sometimes there is a um, underlying pressure for so many of us to just have a better attitude. And so we can have joy. And that's not what the scriptures say. The scriptures has forever changed it. In fact, N.T. Wright, a uh, well-known scholar, he talks about this idea in his talk, The Theology of Joy. And he talks about this, uh, this idea of, of, uh, of now and not yet. Now and yet, not yet. And again, he's talking about the same idea that I'm talking about. And that is this idea that, that there is something that God has done for our future. And it's connected to the joy we'll experience right now. If we realize that and we connect our lives to what has been done in the future. But it's not, like, it's not about changing your attitude in a sense or just saying, you know what, I'm going to turn this frown uh, upside down. No, it's not about that. It's about realizing that, that right now we're suffering. Right now we're in pain. Right now we're feeling lost. Right now it seems like joy is such a distant away. But there is a not yet. There is a coming tomorrow. There is a coming future. And friends, our joy um, is connected to that future. So what does that look like, right? What does that even mean if joy is more than an, uh, than an attitude, if it's not connected to this idea of like, oh, well, well it's, um, it's just, you know, our relationship with God that should cause us, cause us joy. 
No, it's, it's, it's deeper, right? So let me give you a couple of thoughts here. Let me give you. Now, obviously, obviously, there are so many books about joy. Uh, but again, I want to talk about joy as a fruit, as a fruit that God's Spirit grows in you. See, it's extremely different. It is not, again, I want to say this, it is not a joy that we manufacture. It is a fruit that God grows in us. You get it? It is not a joy that we manufacture, that we make up, it, that we turn things around, we have better perspective. It is something that God wants to grow in us. And again, friends, you can't, you can't, um, you can't um, miss this. It is, some, it is part of spiritual um, growth. It's part of maturity. It's you and me growing uh, into the person of Jesus. See, that's why I love this series. That's why I love Galatians 5. That's why I love the fact that he is very clear on, hey, you want to know if you're growing spiritually? Are these fruits evident in your life? Is joy evident in your life? So what does that look like? Let me give you four things. I think just to reframe this idea. It's, again, it's, it's, it's an idea of joy, but it's connected to the, the fruit that it is, not necessarily the attitude, okay? Not something we manufacture. Number one, joy, I believe, is a strength. It is a strength. More than an attitude, it is a strength. Nehemiah 8 says this, Don't, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, For the joy set before him, Set before him, he endured the cross. He's talking about Jesus. Scoring his shame and sat down the right hand of the throne of God. Again, they're talking about this joy that's apart, f- apart from them. It's not inside. You see, so often we go, you know, I need to have joy in my life. i got to get my stuff together. And so we look to an inner strength. These scriptures are talking about the joy of the Lord. It's the jo- joy that, that's, that's outside of us. And I get it. We look inside for deep strength and we look for deep power. But th- this joy that the scriptures talk about, that there is a joy, right? And the part of this fruit is, a, is, is that, that it's other than you. It's, it's, it's a joy that you set before you so you can endure your cross. It's something that's even bigger than you. Because the truth is, friends, is that when we go through pain, when you go through pain, I go through pain, when I go through loss, it is the biggest thing in my life. Your worry is the biggest thing in my life. I mean, I have kids, and sometimes I, I've got into moments where I'm so concerned about them, so concerned about their future or my relationship with them, and it is the biggest thing in my life. And the truth is, right now, the biggest thing in some of your lives is your loss, is your suffering. And I want you to know that God knows that. And that's why this joy that he's talking about is his joy. It's out from you, and it's other than you, and yet it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you, and God wants you to tap into it. But you have to understand it's outside of you. So in a very practical way, what is the joy that is before you? What is something that you set yourself up, that you set up before you? Because we set ourselves up for disappointment when we don't set a joy before us. It says here, for the joy that he set before him. See, Jesus set a joy before him. He saw a a, a vision of humanity that was better than it is right now for him. And so that's why he endured the cross. What are the things that you just, that give you joy and are they before you? 
See, that's part of God wanting to grow you, uh, grow within you this fruit, uh, the spirit called joy. He's saying practically, you've got to put stuff around you before you to do that. Number two, he says joy is an alternative as well. This, fruit, this, this joy fruit is not just a strength, it's also an alternative. Alternative. James uh, says this, consider it, consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that it may mature and, 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 and complete, not lacking anything. He's saying, see what's happening here? That there is, again, this idea of maturity, this idea of being ripened, this, this, uh, this, in, this, uh, this uh, picture of being complete. It's like, again, a fruit being grown. You remember last week? I told you. It's like our, our God loves to see us grow. He's not waiting for us to, um, to believe more. He's watching us grow deeper. And so right here, he's saying, hey, I want you to consider joy when you go through this. I want you to have joy as an alternative. See, when you do that, you help produce this fruit. You allow the Holy Spirit because that's what he wants you to do. The Holy Spirit wants you to give you joy as a strength. The Holy Spirit wants to give you joy as an alternative to all the junk that's going on in your life. And this is where we choose. This is the closest you get to, like, joy is an attitude. Joy is a cho choice. This is the closest we get to it. But again, just notice the fact that it is much, much deeper than that. You know, right after 9-11, if you guys remember that, it was so tragic for so many people in so many different ways. And it, it, and, and it hit me and my family in a very different way, in a very unique way, uh, just b based on my background from the Middle East. Uh, um, you know, it, it, we had to kind of navigate through um, just the world we lived in right after 9-11, from racist remarks to, um, you know, this, uh, uh, a constant mistrust in society. Um, we had to deal with a lot of things. But one of the biggest things was that my mom actually got deported from the U.S. and been banned from coming back to the country for, for three to ten years because of a technicality. And it was one of the darkest times for me. And if for someone would just come to me and say, hey, just have joy, it would have been very hard, extremely hard. I remember visiting her and, uh, in, in Pakistan because she was, um, um, you know, kind of sent there. And I cried most nights there at night. Uh, I could not believe that uh, she was all alone. My, uh, her, her, her husband and her uh, kids were all in the U.S. and she was banned from the country. Uh, and I, I could, I was, there was so much anger, there was so much cynicism, there was so much disappointment, disheartment that, that a country would do that uh, to my mom. And, and there, was, there was a lot of things. But I remember visiting her and there was some, there was this inner strength in her. And it was always an alternative. Like in the midst of everything that she was going through, she always chose joy. I don't understand it. In fact, uh, people ask me all the time as a, as, a, uh, as a guy who came from the Muslim background, if I've, all, if I've ever been persecuted for my faith uh, um, in Jesus. And i got to tell you, my mom is, is actually the one who's been persecuted the most. I mean, uh, she just turned 75 uh, this week and so, uh, so excited for her. And, and i got to remind it that, that 
when she was deported and banned from this country, living in Pakistan, and by the way, she had never lived there. She hadn't lived there for a while. Um, she got ousted f- um, and kicked out from her, um, from her sister's house because they found out about my conversion and my experience with Jesus. And, and uh, she got persecuted even more. And in the midst of that, she somehow always chose joy. Ah, I think we can learn from my mom that there is an alternative to the things that are going on in your life. Job actually is, uh, uh, is a guy who experienced so many things. If you've read the, the, his story in the Bible. But there's a quote from him that's pretty profound. I've kind of memorized it. And it says this. It says, though he slay me, yet I praise him. Like basically he's saying, though God is allowing certain things in my life, my alternative, I'm going to choose joy. So joy, as a fruit, is a strength, it's an alternative, and now it's also a container. Yes, it's a container. It's a container. More than an attitude, it's a container that can be filled in. It's a container. John 15 says this. says, as my Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now, remain in my love. I have told you this so that your that you, that you, that, that I've told you this so that, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. In other translations, it says that it may be full. John 16, it says, Until now, you have not asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Other translations, full. There is a joy that God wants to give to us. He wants to put inside of us that we are supposed to contain. You see, the spiritual joy, the fruit, that's so supernatural. God wants us to be a container to fill His joy in us. See, I don't know if you realize this, but these these truths are so freeing, friends. It's so freeing because there are so many Christian myths out there. And I'm so glad that we as a church exist to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus. Because, man, there's so much inaccurate information out there. And, and, and there's so much to reclaim when it comes to the, being a follower of Jesus. And one of the Christian myths out there is this idea that joy lasts forever. It does not last forever. Twinkies last forever, I think. In fact, there was a video, YouTube video of a guy who ate a Twinkie that's 40 years old. Trust me. Trust me. Watch it. I think he's still alive. I'm not quite sure. We'll pray for him. But joy doesn't last forever. No, there are things that God has done that will last forever. But joy, friends, um, leaks. It leaks. Why? Because joy is going into a container. And we, if you haven't figured out, we are the container. And we are flawed and we leak. Anything you put inside, it leaks. If it can leak, it'll leak. It'll, it will definitely leak. I remember once this guy told me, he was like, hey, when I first got to the U.S., he was like, hey, you got to go camping. Camping is a thing. I still didn't get it. He was like, I promise you, it's going to be amazing. Sleeping under the stars is going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. I got a tent for you. I got a sleeping uh, uh, mattress for you. I got it. It's great. I remember, I still remember waking up. Waking up just 
freezing cold. I mean, the, the tent had leaked. It had rained that night. I didn't know. I got up just soaking wet. The, 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 the mattress, whatever, leaked as well. And I was like, never again. I'm not doing this. By the way, if anybody tells you to go camping, I'll tell you how they'll entice you. They'll give you big promises. They'll promise you all kinds of things. I don't think it's true. Okay, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know. It's not, it's, I don't think it's true. It's just, it just, it just can't be. It just can't be. Because I believe this. Anything that can leak, leaks. I'm making light of this. But friends, truth is, is that your joy will leak. And that's why you have to pray for God to fill you. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you asked God to fill you with his joy? No, no. I'm not asking when's the last time you asked God um, to answer this prayer request so that you would be happy, satisfied, and have joy. No, I'm talking about when's the last time you said, God, I need you to fill me with supernatural joy. Holy Spirit, I know you're growing in me this supernatural fruit called joy. I need you to um, fill me with it. See, friends, joy is a container. And as we hold on to it, it's a beautiful thing to go. It's not about me. It's not on me. Um, there are things that you and I are going to face. They're so big for us. God knows we're human. He knows that we are, um, you know, humanly flawed, but divinely called to be uh, followers of Jesus, be like him. And so he's committed to continually, what, filling. He just says, hey, ask and you will receive so that your joy will be full. Lastly, joy is a promise. It is a promise. Um, Psalms 126 says this, those who plant in tears will reap, will, will, will harvest in, with shouts of joy. They, they weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. See, some of us, you're doing exactly this right now. I need you to you lean in here. You, um, you are crying as you plant seeds of joy. You are weeping um, as you're planting right now. You are doing hard things right now. And you're just beside yourself. And you're kind of going through the motions because you know this is the right thing to do. I want to encourage you. It is the right thing to do. It is. You're, you might be um, planting right now in tears. But you will harvest with joy. You will harvest with joy. You need to know this. Isaiah 35. It says they, uh, they will enter Zion with singing everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. And friends, joy is a promise. It's connected to what N.T. Wright was talking about. Now, not yet. It, it, it's connected to the fact that I want to change that really popular phrase to not the best is yet to come, but the best has not yet come. But it is coming. But it's connected to a promise. What does that mean? Joy as a promise of what? 
For some of us, reconciliation. That you will be connected to your loved ones once again. That you oh, will move a certain direction uh, into and with a relationship that will be reconciled. Do you know, as, uh, as a human race, we're all moving to one space? Did you know that? The scripture says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. That there will be a moment, and I don't know exactly in what dimension and how it will happen, but every knee and every mouth will confess. That means everyone. That means all of us. You see, we love love to separate ourselves. We love politicians who go, no, no, don't be like them. Or we're not like this and we're not like that and those people and all that. We just, just know, just know this. God's plan is to get us all in one room doing the same thing. So we're all in this together, regardless if we like each other or not, because it is a promise, a joy of reconciliation, a, 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 joy, a, a promise of that, a promise of redemption. And you know the deep stuff that you deal with, the things that you know you have to be redeemed out of. It's not just a habit. It's become an addiction, and now there's so much abuse connected to it. There needs to be a redemption of your soul. There's a promise of that. There's a promise, and there's a joy that comes with it. There's a promise of, uh, of justice, of things that have been wronged and been done wrong uh, to you. There have been systems set up that just have continually, continually hurt you and set you up for failure. And there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a joy, that, and it's a promise. It's a promise that one day God will give you justice to that. He will redeem you. He will reconcile you. And then he will transform you. There's a promise to all of those things. I'm uh, recently, I'm, I'm actually going through the Martin Luther King Jr.'s book. He's got several, obviously. Uh, but the one uh, right now I'm going through is called um, Where Do We Go From Here? Uh, Chaos or, or Community. A pretty relevant title in light of everything that's been going on this past week as well. And I, I don't know how, what you felt, and I know there are so many opinions out there of what happened in Capitol Hill, and I'm no, I know I'm no expert, and there's so many things uh, that I um, see and don't even see, know, and I don't know. But I can just tell you what I felt, and I know that you felt something else. But for me, I gotta, I gotta be honest, I looked at what happened, and I got... I, I just thought, man, I, I really feel for my black brothers and sisters. And, and I'm with you for all the, uh, my brown people. I'm, I'm with you. And for the immigrant, I just feel because I remember looking at the U.S. and looking at America and thinking, oh, man, this is the land of opportunity. This is the land of, of, of the dream. The, 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 this is where dreams can come true. This, is where, this, will, this land will give you all this opportunity. And, and now we were seeing something behind the curtain. Behind the curtain. And as I'm processing this and going through this book, uh, I, 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 there was one quote in there early in, on the book. It said that, it said that, um, that um, let me read this to you. I want to make sure I, I get it right here. It said that, uh, the, the, that the, the brotherhood will not be the dream of man. It will be the condition of man. And I, I got to give you context for this, but it's basically saying that we have to move from this idealism of this dream. No, it'll be, there will be a condition of man, the brotherhood, the unity will become that. 
and this book is so hopeful, but I, I, can't, I, I can't just wonder. A guy who was so committed to nonviolence is killed by violence. H- how does that work? How does that work? How did Martin Luther King Jr. not just give up and go, man, you guys are all just crazy. It's too much. Well, and what would he do now? Just looking at where, where we are and how far we have not come. What would he do? I think he would fight for joy. I really do. I mean, I don't know him, but I, everything that I've heard about him, read about his life, he would fight for joy. He would fight for love. He would fight for this. And so when it comes to producing the right kind of fruit, he would, pr- he would fight for the Spirit to produce all the things that he wants to produce in us. You see, Martin Luther King Jr. was not calling us to just become a better country. He was calling us to be, become a better human, be a better follower of Jesus. He was calling us up to be the first people that God created us to be, to allow God's Spirit to actually do the work that he wants to do. So yes, I'm going to... I'm going to say that joy is a promise, and i got to fight for it. So, what is your definition of joy? See, uh, and, 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 and what's your relationship with it? You see, maybe your je- definition of joy has been like, well, it's on me, and i got to just change my attitude, and I can't change my attitude because my life is not a wreck, and, uh, and, and, and things are not going well, and... Uh, joy, uh, you know, I, I'm not, my relationship with joy is I'm, I'm not really in a relationship with joy because sadness and, and discouragement and despair has set in. I would say this, number one, change your definition of how joy is. Joy is not an attitude. It is a supernatural fruit that God wants to grow in you. If you allow him to, he'll do it. It's not up to you fully. It's up to you to allow the Spirit to move and for you to change your definition. And maybe, just maybe, joy is a strength and it is an alternative and it is a container and it is a promise. It's multifaceted. And then change your relationship with joy. For some of you today, you've got to fight for joy in you. You've got to fight for your relationship with joy. Some of you have stopped fighting. You've allowed despair and discouragement to come in. I get it. They're all seasons where we, we sit in this. And again, God is not waiting for us to get over it. He's not waiting for you to get over your pain and sorrow and grief. He wants to go through it with you, pouring his joy, pouring his spirit in you. So friends, let's allow the Spirit to do His work. And let's understand that there's a, that our, as humans, our condition with joy has forever changed. Not an Old Testament view of joy, of what the past and the present, no, a joy that has yet not come. A joy that focuses on what God has already done in the future. Revelation 21 says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, he, he, and he will dwell with them. They, uh, they, they, they will be his people, 
and God himself will be with them and be their God. He, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or, or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. When the angels declared, I bring you, I bring you great news of great joy. They said, God has fundamentally changed the game. He has done something already that if you allow God's spirit, he can give you this joy that overflows. Let me pray for you. Lord God, I thank you so much for this conversation. I pray in Jesus' name, God, that you would allow us to really lean in or maybe just sit in what we've all heard. Because for some of us, our despair and discouragement, our grief and pain, our loss is, 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 it's, it's deafening us to hear you. It's blinding us to see you. It's, it's confusing us, God, because we are spinning around. We just don't understand. God, there's some of us who are just trying so hard to have a better attitude about what's going on in our society, what's going on with this pandemic. We're just trying our best and then we are punishing ourselves because we don't measure up to what we think we are supposed to be and what we think you're calling us to be. And yet, God, you're calling us to lean in and allow God's Spirit to work. So God, I pray that we would allow God's Spirit to work and create in us this fruit of joy that's deeper than all the things that we superficially have allowed ourselves to, uh, to appease ourselves with. God, no, 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 God, you, you, would, you would do a work. That God, that you would give us a supernatural, uh, supernatural, I uh, got revelation that you're doing and you're working on something. And we just need to lean into it. God, I pray, I pray that you would do this for us, God. We need this more than ever, not just as individuals, but as a people, as a country. God, would you do this. God, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.